Following a partner to a foreign country, new city or rural community can impact your career, network and access to continuing education. Brunch is a podcast from the Trailing Spouse Co, where I, your host Joe Palmer, chat with trailing spouses from all over the world. Brunch is a chance to meet trailing spouses, hear their stories, the highs, the lows, as well as advice, tips and tricks to get the most out of your trailing spouse experience. In this episode, I speak with Grecia, a Venezuelan who has had itchy feet since she was a teenager. As a 16-year-old, she organised herself to do her last two years of high school at a boarding school in Singapore. Grecia then bounced around Asia, India, Europe, and then back to Asia. She discusses the challenges of switching roles from the working spouse to the trailing one, and how she's had to change her own personal attitudes towards being present and being comfortable with plans changing. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Gracia, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thanks a lot for having me, Joe. Oh, well, I would love to start with our normal quick fire round of questions to hear who you are, where you're from and where you're based now. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I actually was born in Venezuela, um, South America, um, and I was born and raised there till the age of um, 16, roughly, when I decided I wanted to study abroad. And I mean, till then I had, you know, travel a little bit here and there, but the the mainstream places as we call them, so like the US and a little bit of like other South American countries. Um, but I was very curious to, you know, see the world and just study somewhere else. And I thought, okay, um, I came across this scholarship where um, I basically could do like um, uh, my international baccalaureate um, in another country. And then I applied for it. And I remember, um, you know, you have to take a test. It's quite competitive. So you need to take a test. Then you need to do some type of retreat. And then finally you have the final interview. And when I did the final interview, they asked me, okay, where are the places where you would like to go? And I remember I chose the places by, you know, okay, where is like the the farthest I can, I can, I can visit. Since this before anyway is going to pay for my education, where can I go? Um, and I remember, I think I put, first I put Italy uh, on the list because I thought, well, if I go there, I could learn Italian. Um, uh, and then second, I put Singapore uh, and third, Hong Kong and something like this. And I got picked up and basically I moved to Singapore for a couple of years. So I spent two years in Singapore. That was really great. Um, I think at that age, just being abroad, living abroad without your parents, it's a great learning opportunity. Um, and you just, you know, you just really realize, or I, at least I realized the world was so small um, and so big at the same time, right? Like I, I it really um, made me curious to get to know other places. And then after that, I... So hang on, can, to- I inter- can I interrupt you there? So sure. you were 16 and you came and did two years, your final two years of school in Singapore by yourself? Right, right. So I, for the ones who don't know, um, I, I went to United World College, Southeast Asia, 
and there you have a boarding school. So I stay at the boarding school um, because actually I did not want to go. So back then, it was really common for my friends to just do like a like a gap year, right? And they would just go to another like a host family, and they would stay with the host family. But I thought, okay, I don't want to go to any host family because you always run the risk that the family is really bad and you don't really get along with the family. So I thought, I don't want to do that. So I, I, I went to a boarding school. Um, so that was really great. I see. Thank you for yeah. clarifying. I was just then picturing you getting plonked over in another country and I was picturing you being with a host family. So thank you for clarifying that it was a boarding school. Got you. <laughs> Yeah, so it was at the boarding school. And after I went back to Venezuela for just um, a little bit for my undergrad. And then again, I I knew I wanted to be abroad. Um, and I decided again to come back to Asia. Um, and then I did my master's in Japan because um, back then my thought was I want to go back and work in Asia for a few years. So I'd rather just go there and study. So I did uh, my master's in my MBA here uh, in Japan. Um, I was in Kyoto for a couple of years, which was great because I, I think Kyoto is real Japan. It's so traditional. It's so beautiful. And there are so many students. So as a student, it's, it's a great city. It's also not too busy. It's not that expensive like Tokyo. Um, so as a student, it's, pretty, it's a pretty great uh, place. So I was there for two years. And then I moved to Tokyo for work. Um, so I was there for about three years. Um, I was working in mergers and acquisitions. So I was, I was really, really busy. Um, I, I had a lot of business trips that I also had to deal with a lot of like the typical Japanese corporate culture. So that was really great learning, but really, really tough. And after five years in Japan, I thought, okay, I think it's time to, to get out of Japan because I was getting really tired of, of the work culture. Um, and at the same time, back then, my, my boyfriend then, my husband today, um, we were doing long distance for about four years. Um, and then we said, okay, either, either we now break up or we, we go somewhere together. Um, so I moved to Germany and then he followed me and we were, I was working in Germany, uh, also for one of the companies there, um, in, in in-house consulting and, and we loved it. We, we really loved Germany. I think it was, you know, I moved to so many places and I always felt there were, there was no place where I would like to stay for the long term. Uh, but Germany somehow had the things that I liked the most. I mean, for people who move around, they kind of realize there's no perfect place. You just kind of find a place that you, you like, and then you say, okay, I can, you know, live with the, the positive things that I have here and the negatives, it's, it's okay, I can handle them. So Germany somehow had a good combination between Japan, like the order and people following the rules and people been um, giving you some privacy. So I really like that. At the same time, Germany allowed me to have a private life, which was really difficult for me in Japan um, with, with work. And, and it really allowed me to also enjoy life, you know, enjoy life again. And then we really loved it. We are 
love we love nature we love hiking so we we really enjoyed it there uh but uh after five years in japan it's sorry in germany and um after having our child there uh, we had an opportunity to come to singapore and then yeah why not <laughs> then we are here in singapore for maybe three years or so we don't know yet um and yeah this is kind of a little bit of my summary um, of why I've moved to so many different places, but also why I like to, you know, um, move around so much. Mm. So this time you've moved with your husband's job to Singapore? Right. So this is really the first time in my life, I would say, where I follow or I move somewhere because of someone else. Until then, it was always me driving this move, right? Like the Singapore one, the first time was me. Um, then Japan was completely me. Um, Germany, in a, to some extent, it was me because he's the one who followed. Um, this is the first time when I said, okay, I, I, I'll follow you and I'll come to Singapore. Of course, it was a known place. So I guess that was also really nice. But it was also very different because um, it was at a it was at a moment in my life when I was in a transition. Right, I just become became a mother. Um, I had my baby, which was also a huge shift for me because I was always very career driven and you know trying to pursue my dreams and and studies and and all of that. And at that time, I was on maternity leave, and I thought, okay, let's let's just go, and we will figure it out. I definitely want to go back to work. We will figure it out. Um, so it was, um, yeah, it was a very nice decision, but it was also very tough, to be honest. Mm. So, well, quick question of where where's your husband from? Well, yeah, so he's Indian. <laughs> Indian, and you met in Japan, or you met? Where did you guys meet? Actually, um, when I was in Japan, I so I was doing my my MBA there. And the last semester, uh, one of my professors said, look, there is this Indian university um, where you can do an exchange program and it's really good. You should definitely try it out. Um, it's called I am Cal. I'm sure for your Indian uh, listeners, th- this is a very uh, famous university there. So they probably know it in Calcutta. And I thought, ah, you know, it's my last semester in Japan. I did not know back then if I would stay in Japan. So I was really like, should I really leave Japan or not? But then I thought, okay, what are the chances that I could be in India for, you know, four months or so? Um, If I don't like it, I just, you know, do something else. And I went there um, and I was looking, while I was there, I was looking for someone to practice business cases. For those of you who are going to consulting, you know that you need to take a very rigorous, um, you know, uh, um, interviews and it's, it's quite tough so you need to practice a lot and one of my friends said oh great I have this guy just came back from the US and he's gone into one of these big consulting firms maybe he can practice with you and um, we met and when I first met him I just thought oh this guy is actually really nice I wish I could get to know him better but in my mind I mean, it, it always takes me a lot of time to get to, you know, know people. I'm an introvert. So I, 
it's really rare for me to just start dating someone like in a week or so. So but somehow I thought this guy was really nice and really cool. Um, so we started talking, just doing business cases, like that's it. Um, but after a while, I realized I really liked him, like really, really liked him. And the same from his side. So we decided, okay, let's just try. And we started dating. Um, and long story short, after four months, we said, okay, let's try long distance. Um, and that's how that it happened. Four years? Four years? Wow. Yeah, four years. Of course, I think it really helped that we were really busy. I was working a lot of hours in Japan. And he was also working really, really long hours in India. And then he moved to Dubai and he was also very busy. Um, so that really helped. But I think after four years, we were we were ready to, you know, um, do like move to the next stage. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Oh, funny. Okay, so talk me through then. I'm actually, I want to go back in time to, because I'm always a bit intrigued when there is a, a husband that is trailing along. And so I want to sort of hear about what those first sort of few months or first 12 months was like in Germany for you as the working spouse, having um, having a spouse that had sort of followed along with you. What was that experience like for you guys in Germany? Yeah, so I moved, I moved um, to Germany in, uh, I think, August 2017. And... Um, of course, the idea was that uh, he would also work there, but probably for all the trailing spouses out there, sometimes when you move to a place, um, you sometimes don't have a lot of, sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't have a lot of options. So um, in his case, actually, he had a really great career. Um, he was doing really great at this really big consulting firm in India and then Dubai. So he found a job relatively quickly in 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 Germany um so by January he was already working so um but of course it was so he started working but it was probably not the work that he like you know that the job was not like the perfect job for him it was it was good but he was I think he took it because he wanted to be in the same country as me right so I think for a couple of years he struggled with the fact that it was not the kind of, I think, kind of work he wanted to do. Um, he was still in a very nice company and in the strategy department, but I think he wanted something a bit more challenging. That, that was the main thing. Um, and, um, and after a couple of years, he switched jobs to where he's working right now. And, um, and, and it was really great. And that moment, actually, we moved cities because back then I was traveling a lot for work um, and I could basically be based out of anywhere. So we moved closer to his job. So I guess to your question, we didn't really struggle or let's say we didn't really struggle with the fact that he was not working, but we definitely struggled with the fact that he was not in, in the type of work that he wanted to do. So that was really challenging, of course, for him um, and for me as well, I think for the relationship, because... I think at some point, sometimes you resent the other person. You say, okay, I, I, obviously no one forces anyone to move anywhere. And this is very, very this has to be very clear. I, uh, in our case, we never forced each other, but of course you resent that maybe you left your career at a time that you shouldn't have. 
um, or that your spouse is maybe having. I was back then traveling a lot for business. So I, went ha I was having a lot of projects in the US and I was having a really, you could say, interesting career, right? Uh, or very, um, at least it looked very busy and, 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 and really good. And I guess he was a bit like, okay, where am I going? Where am I heading? Um, so it definitely put some, um, yeah, some challenges in, in the relationship. But I think we, we, we kept talking and, and somehow, I guess, when he changed jobs, that also really helped because he gave him a sense of purpose again, right? Um, and yeah. It's mm. interesting because, and there, I'm, I'm interested because you then switch it up. And like you said, this is then your relocation to Singapore was the first time that it had actually been you doing the following. So talk me through what those first few months were like in Singapore. That was definitely, um, I think that was, so it was, it's been really great and it's been really tough at the same time. So um, just to give some background, um, we moved, to Singapore in November, 2022. Um, and I had my baby uh, in December, 2021. So he was, you know, not even one year when we moved there. And in Germany, we're very privileged that you can take a very long maternity leave. So my initial idea, so let's go even back, right? I was pregnant and this opportunity came up and, uh, we thought, oh, yeah, I said, yeah, I think it's great. We evaluated it. We said, this is good for the family. Let's just do it. My work back then was really um, flexible. And I have offices in other countries. So I thought we can always make it work. You know, um, it's not this first time I go to another country and I find a job, right? Um, then we moved to Singapore in November. And back then, the idea was that I would start working in February of the of the following year, in my same role, but in another location, right? Um, but this didn't happen because, um, uh, let's say, we had some legal issues because my office used to have an office in Singapore, but we closed it down. And that meant I couldn't get a visa to work here because then, you know, it, it's very strict here for the listeners who are not in Singapore. It's not so easy for, for, for companies to justify that you have a person in Singapore working for an, a unit that you actually closed down a few months back, right? So basically in December, 2022, my office said, sorry, we cannot do delegation there, um, but we still support you. Um, we have to find a role for you there, or we have to see. So I think that was the hardest because I, thought I could go back to work, but I couldn't. And I had no time. I had, it was very uncertain whether I can go back to work. Um, can I go to work with my same office? Can I go back to work at all? Because as a mother as well, I had been out of the workforce for a while. And that somehow also makes you think, can I, can I do it or not? So um, that was, um, that was really, really tough for me. I think Singapore, in a sense, it's it's a great country, right? With a with a kid, um, and I already knew it. So I had a, I had some type of network here from my um, high school years, 
but you still as a mother, you're a very different person. It's 20 years later. So think about it, right? Like your, your friends, um, the people, you know, already in Germany, I had a network of moms that I knew. Um, I already felt comfortable. So actually, this is a very interesting topic because sometimes people think because you have moved countries a lot, you just, you know, you, you adapt very quickly. And yes, you adapt very quickly, but people have to also understand that um, this is always tough. And sometimes the circumstances in your life are different. When you move as a student or when you move as a single person, it's different maybe when you move, uh, when you have a family, because now you have a child and you also need to make sure um, you can find a good, you know, network for your, for your child. And also then maybe you're not able to go back to work right away because then you cannot put your kid in childcare right away. So all these things add up. So I think that was a very tough time for me. Um, again, I was a bit like, okay, what do I do now? Um, fortunately, I was able to put my contract uh, installment in Germany. Um, so to continue on maternity leave. And then I decided, okay, I tried to continue to find a role within my same company um, uh, here in Singapore, or I continue to apply to other companies. So I, I kind of was doing that. Um, and, you know, uh, for also for your listeners who are in Singapore and, and not in Singapore, I, I am on a dependent pass here in Singapore. There's lots of myths about this dependent pass. So the reality is you cannot work with a dependent pass. So that makes it obviously more difficult. You need to find a company that is able to sponsor your EP, your employment pass. And I, I heard so many times, okay, this is impossible. You will never get a company to sponsor your employment pass. And I thought, okay, but, but why is this so impossible? Is, it, is this really so difficult? So reality is it's somewhere in the middle. Right? I think some people really struggle to get companies to to sponsor their employment pass. And some people actually get it very quick. It really depends a little bit on your skills. It depends on your industry. Some industries, maybe my industry, which is more business oriented, it's a bit more open and more flexible. Um, maybe some other industries is really, really hard. I was lucky enough that I don't need to get any new license or any, you know, I don't need to take any tests. But maybe if you're a doctor or whatnot, a lawyer, it's pretty much impossible to work in this country. So for me, um, I just said, okay, I will take the time to be with my son. Um, I'm very fortunate, to be honest, I'm very fortunate to be able, or I, I've been very fortunate to be able to spend almost two years with him. Um, for those of you who are parents, you know that the first year, they change every day. And then the second year it becomes more stable, but they're still changing a lot and be able to be with him almost entire day was really, really nice. Um, it really gave me a lot of joy to see him develop and also me develop as a mother. Um, and at the same time, trying to find my own path on what I want to do going forward. So yeah, it, I, I will start working uh, next month. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to find a company that can sponsor my, my visa here. It's actually a sister company of my previous company. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to also 
now you know going back to a little bit of my my own activities and my own life yeah Mm. so you're in an interesting spot because you're transitioning out of this sort of um well I I don't know I hear it described so much as as this sort of frustration limbo of being in this this frustrated situation and frustrating situation where you're wanting to do things and like you said a lot of people find it really really challenging to find work and then there's these tensions around like enjoying being doing the parenting side of things and the being at home with with kids and and those sorts of things so what are you sort of having to get your head around as far as like re-entering the workforce after having a has having a chunk of time out of there yeah, and, and before I answer your question, I, I want to say something that maybe it's interesting for the listeners, because I was reflecting on this the other day. Um, you know, sometimes I mean, it really throws a lot of things at you. And I mean, I've been in also very tough situations before this time. And I think, of course, you feel frustrated. And I was feeling, yeah, depressed, frustrated. I mean, you, you feel like you're kind of stuck. You feel, I have no way out. But you always have a way out. There's always something you can do. Um, There's always something you can focus your energy on. I think it's very important to understand that you can, you know, you cannot control what happens to you in a sense, but you can always control a little bit how you react and what you do about it. And I know sometimes this is very easy to say, um, but... It's also a little bit about rephrasing your 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 state. So I remember when it was really hard in this period of December, February, when I really was like, okay, my one chance to go back to work is gone. What can I do? And there are days that you feel, of course, very low, and you feel like, oh, uh, you know, maybe your son is not napping. Yours, you you have no work. Like I remember, I told my husband one day, oh my god. I went from, you know, spending time, you know, working in very, um, uh, you know, in, important meetings that you would think to go back to trying to put a kid to bed for three hours, something like this, right? So, of course, it's very frustrating. And, of course, you feel like, is this what am I, what I'm supposed to do? But at the same time, you know, I started kind of thinking, okay, but this is it. This is my situation right now. Maybe I can try to focus on the good things and and slowly, slowly try to say, okay, I have some time to, you know, just take a nap in the afternoon, um, which I could have never done if I'm working. Or I had the time to see my child develop. So we would go every day to the botanical gardens and just enjoy, just walk, you know, having this no a sense of no rush, just, you know, do as you as you as you want to do. Um, and this really helped me get through the tough days, you know, like just rephrasing and trying to focus on the positive side of it. Also, focusing on the fact that now I have more time to maybe read or learn something that I always wanted to learn. Um, so I started relearning a language, right? I'm, I'm now learning German and I also um doing a course on positive psychology. So I started focusing on, on, on trying to use my time in, in, in the best of ways, right? Um, and um, this really helped me 
you know, to get through the, the tough times. And of course, now that I go back to the workforce, it's a very interesting feeling because um, I was telling my husband the other day, when I have now sometimes business calls in preparation for, for my job, actually it feels like no time has passed sometimes, right? It, I, I'm there. It feels like, oh, it was just yesterday I was working. So it, it really feels like nothing. At the same time, time has passed. So I'm sure it will be challenging. I'm sure I've talked to other colleagues that also took very long maternity leave and they say, yeah, the first few months, you're just, you have no, like, you just feel so, it's so difficult because you also have now a kid, right? That you also need to juggle. It's not just you working and going back to your previous life. It's it's you with an, with an extra component. So I'm sure it will be challenging, but I think like everything in life, you know, it takes a little bit of time. I mean, you move to another country, it takes a few, maybe a month or so, actually even longer, to get used to your place. You change jobs, it also takes a little bit of adjustment. You have a kid, it takes you a lot of time to get used to it. At least it did to me. Um, so I, I'm sure, I'm sure um, it, it works out. Oh, well, I'm thrilled for you. That's really exciting because, like you said, it's not a um quite often a, a common thing that people are able to do particularly in this part of the world yeah but i also want, I, I also want to tell people you know um you have to keep trying because at the end of the day you always have a choice if you already give up then that's it you have to keep trying and maybe okay for me it was this job but if i hadn't got a job i was ready to maybe just start something on my own or do something. I think you can always do something. And I know, I know it's not easy for everyone. And and, and I know there are bills to pay and, and there are things to do. Um, but what I want to say is there are always opportunities and you have to try to see these opportunities. You cannot be, you know, optimistic in a unrealistic way. That's not, that's not, um, that's not what I strive for. But I think you need to be aware that there's always something that you can do, you know? And I think that that's really great advice. Is there something that you wish you had known before you left Germany? I guess I would have known, I, I would have liked to know, um, maybe, okay, I would have liked to know, yeah, how difficult it is maybe to, to, um, or not how difficult, but basically in Singapore, I think the way to find also jobs is through connections, right? So um, how how the market was and also what my possibilities were. But to be honest, sometimes these things you only know when you, when you move here. So um, I think it's... Um, Sometimes you need to be in the in the midst of it to kind of know, you know, um, what to do. To be honest, I think for me the most challenging and what I would have liked to know more um, was probably more on on the on on the kids side, also on the childcare side. Actually, when I don't know how it is in other countries, but in Germany and in also a lot of European countries, it's pretty straightforward. You apply for childcare. Um, Childcare is about the same everywhere. Yeah, some are better, some are not, but the, the variation is not so high. And then your kid goes there and then you go back to work or whatever, and then that's it. 
I felt like in Singapore, it took me so long to navigate the whole childcare system. It was really, really challenging. And as a first time mom, also, there's so many things you just don't know. Um, and there are so many options in Singapore. There are so many like, places, but in reality, I felt there are very few because the quality is really, is really different among them. So I think as a mom, I would have, I would have liked to have a more, you know, clear picture on, on this entire childcare scenario, because also if you're a working mom, it's something you really need right quite, quite quickly. Um, and if you're also not, if you're not working, eventually you will need to put your kid in childcare or in kindergarten. So this is something I would have liked to have more information about. Also to lower my, you know, my anxiety levels back then. Um, I would say other than that, the most important is that you kind of understand what you're getting yourself into, right? Like to some extent, but you're also not able to know everything in advance. Sometimes you just know it once you're there. So you also need to, you know, let go and, and say, okay, once I'm there, I kind of try to figure it out. I think that that is just, I was about to ask you if you had a, a little piece of gold nugget advice to end on. And I think that that actually is just the most beautiful, beautiful thing there. And I think that that's something that I think I sometimes still just need to hear every now and then as well, is that, that like, um, just being present. And I know that that sounds a bit woo woo. And sometimes people, you know, that whole mindfulness thing and, and, you know, taking each day as it comes, um, which I find very challenging because I am a planner. I am a, I like to know what I'm doing 10 years in advance. <laughs> I know those plans change, but I, I, I like having plans. And so when people are like, you know, just chill out and just, you know, take it as it comes that is triggering for me. But I think um, I think that it's really good advice to sometimes just sort of remind yourself to be like, um, wait until you get to somewhere, wait until that situation arises. Don't try and, you know, doomsday things and plan, plan everything within an inch of its life so that there's not room for flexibility and for opportunity to, to sort of happen. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I'm also a planner. My 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 natural state is planning everything. But actually, I think for a few years now, I kind of realized you 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 have to get you have to find a balance, right? I I also so I think everyone has like a different you know personality and way of doing things. I also cannot be completely uncertain on what's going to happen, but. The reality is you can also not plan your life for the next 10 years. I mean, what I do is I kind of say, okay, this is the path that I would like to take. Um, but you have to be open to changing that path because if that had not happened, for example, I always said, I don't want to have kids. I don't want to have, I don't want to be a mother. This was very clear for me. And after I was, I think, after 35 I said okay every year I will revisit this right and then but in my mind I was 95 percent sure that I was I would not become a mother um and then I became a mother and I decided okay why not maybe it's something I want to do I, let's give it a try 
and it, it has been really wonderful, right? So um, let's give it a try. If I don't really like this, then I'll just change this later. <laughs> yeah, true, exactly. So I think, of course, you cannot, you cannot um, give it back. But, uh, but I just said, okay, let's try it. Yeah, the, the, the thing with, um, I think being a mother was the first thing as well that I, I was not able to, you know, um, take back because when you go to another country, you always say, well, if you don't like it, you can always go back to the other country or do something else. But what I want to say is, um, I think, you know, I've always been a person of very middle. So I, I usually don't take very extreme sides. You know, I, I don't, I don't live my life at the extreme. And that is also with the way I conduct my decisions. So yes, you, you want to have a plan. You also maybe want to know, well, where I want to head towards, because if that gives you peace of mind, um, then great. But at the same time, you need to be open to opportunities because um, sometimes you, you, you know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know, right? So you don't know what opportunity could be there that is really great for you as a person or as a career. And what you said about being present, I mean, this is, this is the key of everything. I'm also, I was also very skeptical a few years back about all this like mindfulness and whatnot, but in a very difficult time for me in Japan, um, I listened to this book. I listened because I, I was doing an audio, uh, The Power of Now. And I thought it was so simple, but so true that you really, like being aware that, you know, at the end of the day, life is just life. And sometimes you have, you know, a lot of money. Sometimes you may not have a lot of money. Sometimes you have a great job, sometimes you don't, but you have to remain somehow calm. And it's you, it's still you. you you're you not defined by your job or other things that you have. So um, I think you need to, at least for me, I try to navigate life in a way that, you know, I try to stick or I try to be true to myself and I try to make decisions based on what I think makes me happy and what I think I should do. Um, but I, I don't take things too seriously. So except for the kid part, of course. <laughs> I love that. I think that that is a, a very, a very beautiful philosophy and attitude to have towards life. Gracia, I'm so pleased to um, have had this time with you and um, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thanks a lot, Joe. Thanks for, for inviting me. And it was really great um, talking to you. And and it's also been really great listening to other um, episodes. So, yeah, thanks a lot. Oh, thank you for coming. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brunch by The Trailing Spouse Co. If you're a trailing spouse anywhere in the world, join us. We're a place that you will find other like-minded professional trailing spouses, as well as training, education and employment opportunities. Head to thetrailingspouse.co and connect with our network. And if you'd like to join me for brunch, you'll find a link on the website to register your interest for a chat. At The Trailing Spouse Co, we are passionate about ensuring that you are connected, your mind is stimulated and that you're always learning.